to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But that's not how the story starts. First, Jesus had to go and be born in a barn like we talked about last week. And then this week, Joseph runs with his young family to Egypt. Now, there's something so powerful about that. See, in the Bible, Egypt almost always symbolizes bondage or captivity. Now, how strange that King Jesus was sent right at, almost right after he was born, was sent to Egypt to escape execution. Why not just kill Herod? Herod was the crazy ruler who was trying to kill Jesus, and he was trying to murder a bunch of babies to do so. Why not send angels to protect baby King Jesus? I've always been blown away, and if I can be vulnerable with you, a little frustrated at times at why God uses natural things. I mean, he's limited in power. He could do so much. He could intervene any way he wanted to. But that begs the question, would that take away from our need for faith? We see in the Bible, and I bet you've seen in your life, if you followed God, that God is attracted to faith. That's one of the reasons why our church is called Faith Promise Church. But what about now? Do we have the faith to believe for revival? Do we have faith to believe that the next generation of what God is going to do could be even greater than what's ever happened? What about you personally in your seat? Do you have faith that 2023 could be your best year yet? I hope that you do. I hope you believe that God can and wants to do amazing things in and through you. That's one of the, re one of the reasons I love Christmas. The reason behind, the reason about Christmas is so amazing. Christmas is a reminder of God's gift to us. His one and only son, his gift of Jesus. Can you imagine life without Jesus? One of the things that brings up for me at my house, uh, after we do Bible time, sometimes my kids, they really just want to stay up later, but they play me like a fiddle. And they're like, Dad, let's do Bible trivia. And so like, I'll ask them questions. And one of the questions I'll ask, I'll say, how many parts are there in the Bible? And they'll say two parts. And I'll say, what are the parts? And then they'll say the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'll say, hey, what separates the Old and the New Testament? And they know it's Christmas. When Jesus came, Jesus came to provide a new way of life. And listen, we are grateful that Jesus came. Listen, you think it's hard to invite people to church now? Imagine if we were still sacrificing animals for our sins, all right? Church attendance would be sparse, okay? Listen, but God invaded the planet at Christmas so that we could live in freedom. Now that amazing night when Jesus came to earth, only the shepherds saw the glory of the angels coming and announcing Jesus. This is important. Because you know, the people who knew a lot, the Jews at that time, they totally missed Jesus. Why? Because they had imagined something else in their mind, so they missed him. What happens when you follow a star only to find a stable? What happens when you think that God's promised this amazing thing and this is going to be great and you find a stable? 
See, it's probably not what the wise men expected. When they followed the star and they were expecting this prophecy, this great king, and it led them to a stable, a baby born in a manger. But listen, they were wise, so they did not miss the king. I bet you one of the things that God sees as most wise is when people can see God at move in any and every circumstance. Because we love pomp and circumstance, don't we? We love when things are big and things are about us. Not so much God. Do you see in Jesus how he was born in a barn? And whenever you follow his life, Jesus so minimized the natural so that he could elevate the supernatural. And if we want to make a supernatural impact, we want to honor God, we have to be willing to do the same. See, last week we started our journey through these places that are important in Jesus' life. We started in Bethlehem last week about God being the most special thing. It's not about a city or about a circumstance, but it's about our God in heaven. And that, that, that trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 80 miles. Well, this week we continue in the next leg of our journey when we will go from Nazareth to Egypt. Now that's about 100 to 250 miles, another big part of the journey. But what I'd like to do is I wanna read to you out of Matthew, how we get to go to Egypt, what happened to send us there. And this is gonna be in Matthew two, and I'm gonna read you verses 13 through 18. And I'm gonna stop throughout because I think there's so much power in here. And I also wanna encourage you, Put yourself in these situations because, hey, I know that God is still moving. God is still asking his people to do amazing things. God is still sending us to be a part of his supernatural journey, not just in our life, but in the people's lives around us. So put yourself in the story. This is in Matthew 2, starting in verse 13, and it says this. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Now let me stop right there. I want the Lord to talk to me. I do. I, I want to hear him audibly. I, I, I want God to talk to me. But I have told him that when I'm sleeping is not my best time. Okay, I don't know about you, I've got three kids and they do it, don't they? They just come and just get as close as they can to your face and just breathe. <sighs> Dad, ah, scares me every time, 100% of the time it scares me. And I, I have a daughter, I love her more. And usually I'll, I'll let her get in bed, but then the boys, the boys, I'm like, what buddy, what, what, what do you need? Cause they're kickers and they, you know what they're kicking. And so you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so they get in there and I'm like, buddy, 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 listen, listen. And they're trying to like mumble. They're trying to think of like any reason to be able to get in bed with me. And I'm like, hey buddy, what's going on? And, and they're trying to mumble something. I'm like, buddy, is there blood? Is there poop? Is your bed ruined? Is there a fire? Go get in your bed. Some people have an open door policy where your kids can come in, get in your bed and pee in your bed. That's not at our house, okay? We love ourselves more than that. Maybe we're not good Christians. And listen, listen, my, my wife, I love my wife. She's loved my life. But sometimes like if I don't feel good, uh, and like at night, and I don't know where she hides the medicine because that's what she does. She hides it, right? And so I'm looking, rummaging, and then I, I just end up just going to bed, just hoping that I live through the night. And she'll be like, Zach, why didn't you wake me up? And I was like, babe, I, 
I didn't want a stomachache and a black eye. I didn't need that. That's not what I needed. And uh, so we don't do well, but either way, that's, that's, that's extra biblical. That's just icing on the cake for you, right? So he said, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until Herod, uh, uh, remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. See, Herod, the ruler, he had heard that the Messiah was coming, so he made a decree to kill all the babies under three. He, he was just gonna, because the wise men didn't come back, so he was, that's what he was willing to do. That is what the world has always been willing to do to snuff out God's future. And yet God protects him and says, hey, go, Herod's gonna search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and they left for Egypt. I love the instant obedience. I believe if you say, God, I want you to speak to me. God, I want you to use me. Are we willing to be obedient right there? He got up that night and went. I think that that is massive. I think that it's more important to be simply and instantly obedient than it is to have all the answers. It, it, so, so for you, if you're like, I wanna be used by God, but I need to know more, that's not necessarily biblical. Biblical is hearing go and you saying, yes, sir, I'll go. But okay, we'll keep on going. He remained there until the death of Herod, which was, to, this is important, which was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. We're gonna come back to that. Out of Egypt, I called my son. But let's talk about this for a minute because there's something in here that maybe you haven't seen before. In the Old Testament, there's things called foreshadowings. Foreshadowings are foreshadowings of what Jesus would come and do. So here's an example, maybe you hadn't seen this one. Remember, remember, Egypt is almost always bondage or slavery. Well, in the book of Exodus, God's people are slaves, literal slaves in Egypt. And God sends someone, Moses and Aaron, he sends them to set them free from a physical slavery so that they could go to the promised land. Think about what Jesus did though. Jesus is a better Moses. Jesus will always be a better pastor, a better leader. He'll always be a better, but he uses people to be at least a small part of what he is to be in our life. And so, but think Moses went to set the people free, right? Think about what Jesus did. Jesus went from the promised land. See, Moses didn't go from the promised land to Egypt, but Jesus was in heaven even better than the promised land. He's in heaven, comes to earth. He is in, in a baby. And then where does he go? To Egypt. Why does he go to Egypt? To represent that he's going into slavery, that he's going into bondage. Why? He, he, it says in Hebrews, Jesus never sinned. Why did he go to Egypt? Because that's where we were. Why did he go to Egypt? Because I was in slavery. Why did he go to Egypt? Because you were in bondage. And he's not yelling from the outside, hey, come out here with me. He came from the promised land from heaven to earth, both inside of a baby, fully man, and then went into the bondage, into the slavery so that he could lead us out from the inside. Amen, that's pretty good. I'm so glad that God did that for us. That's why Matthew brings up Hosea 11.1. 1. 
which we'll talk about that here in a second, is a prophecy where that prophet was going back and he was quoting from Exodus chapter four. Exodus chapter four is when God called his people out of Egypt. Here's the question for today. What does Egypt have to do with Christmas? Remember, Egypt almost always represents slavery and bondage. Let's ask about ourselves. What about you? How's your year gone? Could you use a little more freedom? Could you use a little more peace? Could you use a little more boldness, that freedom that Jesus came to offer you? Because I've got good news. That is what the Christmas story is all about. It's not about Jesus being born in a manger. That is part of it. That's the start of it. That's the start so that Jesus' journey to bring you freedom and not just bring you freedom, but to send you on the ministry of freedom could start. That is the message. That is the journey of Christmas. Let's pray and ask God to transform us today. God, we love you so much. And we're asking that this weekend we would never be the same. God, you have orchestrated these circumstances this weekend so that we would be right here, so that we would be right now, and we would experience a supernatural transformation in our lives. Please, God, let us hear what you have to say and let us obey today and never be the same. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen, amen. And all of our campuses, anybody excited to be in church this weekend? Anybody excited to be in church? Hope you're excited. I want to say Merry Christmas to all of our campuses who are joining us live. If you're live online or later online or if you're at God Behind Bars, we're so honored, we're so excited about what God is doing just across the life of our church, but especially in this series. Now, listen, I, I feel like I've just got the best parents in the world. Being raised by mom and dad is amazing. And, you know, they pastor faith promise. There is one downside to being the pastor's son. Sometimes you wake up on Sunday morning and you have a text message that says, I'm sick, you're up. And whatever do you mean, pastor? Man of the Lord, man of the cloth. It means what I said, I'm sick and you're up. And so uh, pastor is sick, you should be praying for him, but I'm very excited to share with I believe that God, God removed any preparation that I could have. I'm jumping off of dad's notes so that we could be really led by the Holy Spirit into what he has for you today. Here's what I wanna ask you as we wrap up this message. Here's what I wanna ask you. The majority of this message needs to be preached to you by you. I'm gonna give you what you need. Well, I'm sorry. God's gonna give you what you need, but the application and the transformation, it's on you today. I'll give you questions. I'll give you something to jump off of. But hey, if you're saying, I know that I, my family, our world needs transformation. It's gonna take action on your part. Next week, we're gonna go back to Nazareth in this series. And then I wanna just encourage you, the, the Christmas weekend, there will be no Sunday services, no Sunday services on Christmas. We'll do all of our Christmas services on Christmas Eve, 
But can I encourage you to invite somebody? Grab, grab, some, grab some invite cards. Our invite cards are so cool and so creative and so innovative. Some of you guys have thought that they were like, they, they were like a stage piece. They're not there for you to invite people. So grab a stack on your way out, invite people. What a better present could we present to God than to bring people into his presence? So invite people, but make that, you're gonna have family visit on Christmas Eve, bring them, make it a part of your, your tradition. Go online, you can see the, the service time for all of our campuses. But when it comes to Christmas, doesn't it feel like the halls are decked with a little more chaos and crazy, right, than with Christmas cheer? with the global economic issues in China and at home and the geopolitical struggles with Ukraine and, and Russia with the invasion. But hey, our attention, our focus, our dreams and our hope should be put on the invasion of Jesus into this world. And here's what I love. This is the thing about God's invasion. First God invasion, God's invasions bring a promise a true promise of peace and life. And listen, only his invasion could make good. We get a lot of promises, don't we? We get a lot of guarantees, don't we? If we'll just do this, we'll just do that. Listen, I don't know about you. Is there anybody at Faith Promise that can testify that he can make good on his promise for peace? That he can make good on his promise for life? Because he can. Something else about God's invasions is it, it was planned before time. I don't know if you know this, there's over 300 prophecies about the Messiah and Jesus fulfilled them all. No other religion, no other divine figure that's claimed that can say any of that, no prophecies. Jesus, uh, Jesus fulfilled over 300. But specifically for this weekend, Hosea, Hosea 11.1, 1, that's what Matthew referenced in Matthew 2 whenever Hosea said that I will call my son out of Egypt. That was written 700 years before Christmas day. So that the verse that is said in Matthew two, that was penned by Hosea in Hosea 11, one, 700 years. Jesus came to set us free a lot like what happened in the Old Testament in Exodus, only better. See, Moses only led the Israelites or God's people to a physical freedom. But when Jesus invaded and Jesus went to Exodus, to, Jesus went to Egypt to offer us an Exodus, it was a better freedom. It was from the slave mentality. It was to set us free spiritually, relationally, emotionally, mentally, physically, every part, there wasn't, there's not one part of you that God doesn't offer freedom to. But think about it. Have you lived in freedom this year? Are you living in freedom now? When you think about freedom, do you say, that's me, that's where I'm at? Let me ask, because Jesus called, Jesus came to offer us a way out of bondage, a way out of Egypt. Are we choosing the greater and greater freedom that he gave us. Let me ask you some questions just to see. How's your Bible reading plan going for 2022? And there's gonna be some resources on the screen if, if you wanna grab those, but how's your Bible reading plan going for 2022? 
I don't ask that to make you feel guilty. This isn't legalistic. Listen, this is, this is God's special revelation to you and to me. This is why we read it, to get his word, to get his direction. Let me ask you this. Have you started your personal growth plan for 2023? Again, if you haven't done that, it's on the screen, but we wanna make a plan to grow and to grow more intimate with God, but also to be used by God. Let me ask you this. Do you have a word for 2023? We do words for the year. Maybe that's new to you, but we'll pick a word. Hey, let me help you pick your word right now. If you say, how do I know what word to pick? I want you to think about a place that you don't experience freedom. Maybe you're a little bit fearful of a person and you need to pick the word bold. So my, my son, River, who just turned five, he was a little more timid than we felt like God had called him to be. So we made his word for this year, brave. And his verse was that Jesus had overcome the world. And so every night we put him to bed, he knows Jesus overcome the world. And we can see him getting more brave. We speak it over him. My daughter, JL, who's eight, soon to be nine. I got that wrong the first service, but I have corrected myself. She is eight, soon to be nine. She's a leader, just like her mom. And she's bold. And if she's not careful, she can be abrasive. She, she knows what's right. She wants to help people get there. So we made her word for the year, light and said, hey, baby, we want to target that, that desire and that passion towards the gospel. Matthew 5, Jesus is light, and he's made you a light to the world. Hey, listen, the world is going to put words on your kids. Let's beat it to it with the word of God. Let's beat it to it with what God has to say about your kids, that they're overcomers, they're victors, they're bold. Let's beat it to it. But hey, parents, you can't do something for them that you're not doing for you. You can't speak death over yourself and over your spouse and life over your kids. Salt water and fresh water don't come from the same spring. We have to say it over us. We have to speak it over our spouse. Then we can speak it over, hey, you can't speak it over the people driving by you or the people at work. Your kids, how, no matter how young they are, will see there's an integrity issue. But hey, as we live in freedom, we can live in that powerful freedom that God has called us to. Listen, before Jesus was born, there were a lot of different opinions about the Messiah, about what he would look like. And you know, good Jews would actually pray every day for his appearance. The crazy thing was the Jews missed Jesus's coming because he didn't look how they thought he would look. They were blinded and missed out because it's not how they wanted it. How many of us celebrate Christmas but miss the meaning? How many of us celebrate Christmas but miss the meaning? The hurry, the scurry, the trees, the tinsel, the Christmas concerts, the parties, the gifts, the family. Those things are all great, even though I may sound like a Grinch talking about them in this moment. They really are. They're great. But listen, Jesus coming to earth to offer us freedom has a far greater meaning. Listen, all the presence in the world cannot compare to God's presence in the world. All the presents we can put on the tree, all the things we can buy off people's Amazon list, all those things don't compare to God's presence in their life. Jesus makes it very clear. 
When Jesus, one of the first things Jesus does in his earthly ministry is he goes on a 40-day fast in the wilderness. And so just to clear this up, when, and, and, well, actually, let me start reading it, and then, and then I'll, I'll make this clear. But one of the first things Jesus does is he does a 40-day fast, and he comes back and does something very special that I want to point out to us. And this is in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And it says this, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. At the beginning of 2023, we will talk about fasting and praying. Listen, the reason we fast is not so we can be religious. It's not to lose weight. It's not so that we can check off a box. The reason that we fast, which is means we, we don't eat, we cut out social media, a hobby, whatever it might be. The reason we do that is so that we can give that time in prayer to the Holy Spirit so we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Is it so we can be holier than thou? Why? Let me tell you why. It says, because Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and news spread about him throughout the surrounding district. Let me tell you right now, you want God's word to spread? It won't be a big event if they promise. You want revival to hit? It won't be another creative video. It'll be when God's people said, hey, being filled with the Spirit is what's most important to me. It's what's most important to my family. And so we're gonna make sure that it happens. This is what Jesus is modeling whenever his ministry starts. It keeps on going and says, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth where he was brought up. Can I stop right there for a second? Listen, I love that Jesus went back to where he started. The reason that that is powerful is how many of us, you know that you're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your house, but they just know too much about you. How many of you know you know you're supposed to go share the gospel at work, but they know those things you've done. They know those things you've said. Now listen, Jesus never sinned, but we do know that he said a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. They didn't respect Jesus here, yet he went there. If we want God to impact the whole state of Tennessee and beyond, which we do, we have to start where God started us. He keeps on going, and he said it was his custom. So it was Jesus' custom to go to church. We should make that consistent in our life. It said that he stopped um, and uh, he, he stood up to read, and the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written. This is important. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, the same spirit that's on you, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set free those who are oppressed to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him. Now, why is that? Let me tell you why. In the Old Testament, there was a guy named Ezra. If, if you think about the Old Testament, the books, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. Here's what was special is Ezra set up a Bible reading plan that took them all through the Old Testament, the Torah. It took them four years. And every day, it wouldn't be how we do it now where we come in and we'll teach different parts. They went in a very specific order. Imagine the, the odds of Jesus walking in to the temple on the day after he gets done with this fast, opens up the book to Isaiah, that's Isaiah 61 is what he read from when he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. That is a messianic 
prophecy. That means it's a prophecy or a foretelling of the Messiah or the Savior. That's why all eyes were fixed on him. He didn't read it like something that might happen one day. He said, this is happening today. This is going down right now. Don't miss it. And there were just the, the odds that it would happen on that day are astronomical, but none of that escapes God. See, Jesus came to offer a new covenant, a better exodus from bondage. And he's offered it to you. And listen, and, and I'm, 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 I'm out of time. I just want to tell you one more thing. But, but, but first, what is it that has you in bondage? What is it that you know that you know let go of? Is it shame? Is it greed? Is it pride? Is it fear? What is it? What is that that holding you that you know you have to let go of? And hey, faith promise, you know the reason it's so hard? You know the reason the enemy is gonna fight tooth and nail so you don't do that? You're not just supposed to live in freedom. You're supposed to lead other people to freedom. That's what, you're not just called to live, you're not called to live just in a relationship with Jesus. You're called, you have a purpose, the great commission to take freedom to a world that's in bondage. Let me tell you a story and we're gonna pray. This week, I was on a plane and I'm, I'm doing my best to lead the way. I'm trying to share the gospel every day if I can. I have, I have an hour and a half flight with this guy. I get to know him. I'm looking for a way to bring up the gospel. I do. Long story short, we talked about Jesus for about an hour. The gospel, like Christian worldview, all that stuff. And we couldn't have been more opposite on everything. He thinks Jesus is a, is a fairy tale. It's just something that people tell themselves. We talked about identity, uh, which led to him bringing up like transgender. And hey, I think that people can pick what, what they want. And I, I talked to him about people are made on purpose with a purpose. And, and we talked about morals and hey, what's gonna happen if there's no more, like all of my apologetic learning and training, all of those things, I tried them. And I'm telling you, I was, I was pretty discouraged. I, was, I got off that plane, I was pretty discouraged. But at the end, I wanted to be very clear. And I said, hey, I said his name, I won't say it here. I said his name and I said, hey, I just want you to know at the end of this, I, we talked about a lot of stuff. We haven't agreed on anything. But I wanna tell you that I love you. More importantly, God loves you. And I believe at the end of this life, there's only two places you can go. You can go to heaven, you can go to hell. And he so dismissed me. And I just felt compelled to ask. I said, hey, why do you feel the way you do? And he said, uh, I moved here from Boston 14 years ago. He said, I've got a wife, I've got two boys. Moved here from Boston 14 years ago. He said, do you know how many times I've been invited to somebody's house? And he's cool, he's got, he's got money, they're fine. This is just a moment of vulnerability. He said, do you know how many people or how many times I've been invited in with just the small possibility for a relationship beyond sports practice or beyond a school conversation. Do you know how many times in 14 years I've been invited to somebody's home? Three. And in that moment I realized all of my apologetic training, all of my prayers, all of that stuff didn't stand a chance 
against 14 years of evidence that we didn't care about his family. You say, Zach, why, why do we wanna plan a Faith Promise campus in, in every community across the state of Tennessee so people can't say that? So that there'll always be a promiser in a neighborhood, inviting people in, it being equipped to win their world. This Christmas season, don't talk more about your job than Jesus. This Christmas season, don't gossip more than you talk about the gospel. And listen, I don't wanna be, I don't, what, what don't you wanna be? Churchy? Godly? What do you wanna be? Man of God, woman of God. It's time for you to walk with so much positivity and so much prophecy and so much freedom that there's a wake of life change behind you. I believe in you. But do you know who brings freedom? Freed people. God, we come before you right now and we ask that we would be freed people. God, I am grateful. This morning when dad texted me, my stomach was in knots just because I want to do a good job for you, Lord. I want to make my dad proud. I want to make you proud. But God, you did this on purpose so that you would lead the conversation. And you have led to two decision points in this moment. One, what is it that's holding us back from living in freedom? And right now, Holy Spirit, the action step for these people is to leave it here, leave it here, leave it here, and walk out in the fruit of the Spirit in the replacement. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. God, and the second decision point is will we go and lead other people into freedom? God, we love you. We're surrendered to you. Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, send us. Holy Spirit, use us. In your precious name we pray. Amen.